Michael Ryan, welcome to the Wolf Brothers podcast. Um, I'm smiling here because I'm delighted to have you on and we've known you for a while now, probably almost a year, I think. Just, I think I came across you first on Instagram and I saw what you were doing and I just really resonated with your work. And then you released a, a program called The Way Home. It started in October there, and I remember just seeing when it came out, when you posted about it, I just said, I have to do this, um, because you were talking about coming from the head to the heart. And for me at that time, it was, it was something that I really wanted to do was just come more into my heart because I've had, I've had moments where I've been in my heart and I knew I needed some guidance on how to kind of get back to that place more often. So when I saw you releasing that program, I just... It just felt right to do it. So um, I suppose I've been telling people you're like my meditation and yoga teacher. Um, even though I've only met you once in person, it's it's been amazing to be on this journey with you and the other guides on the program and just, I suppose, going deeper into myself. And I'm very grateful for that. And I've, I've learned a lot over the last, what is seven or eight months maybe. And... I suppose just to start off, maybe can we get a bit of a background into yourself? Because it's actually, I don't know too much about your background, funnily enough. So maybe just get a bit of a background into how you got into this type of work. Yeah, sure. Um, well, first off, thank you very much. Um, you can see me and hear me all right, can you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah cool. My computer's frozen a little bit. Um, so I, I suppose... Um, I've always had a leaning towards um, spirituality and 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 a, a kind of a, a deeper meaning to life. Um, like when I was a kid, I kind of would have played the idea of the priesthood for years, and uh, as a teenager, as a young teenager. Um, kind of gone off and spent weekends at cemetery or cemeteries uh, yeah. <laughs> that was leisure that's, that's quite that's quite Cemetery. dark <laughs> actually it was quite light um, um no but gone off and done weekends with we you know like with they had these kind of programs for prospective priests or kids who want to be priests and so there was always that leaning and i remember kind of i remember you know, being interested in in finding out about Buddhism and uh, and other religions as I as a teen, and I remember having conversations with my mother, and she was kind of, you know, would you not stay with your own religion? Um, and then I'd come home from school, and there'd be a big book on Buddhism on my bed. So that was always something I leaned toward. And look, the way I look at it is, is I just kind of came in with with a a, a desire to know about this stuff or the have a have an understanding like I, I was thinking about this this morning um I, I i need to understand you know i need to find meaning for it to, to feel of worth with me and that i think goes across the board and i know when i'm struggling and i don't have a sense of meaning like a, like a i remember periods i haven't had it in a while now but periods where i just I, you know, I just wouldn't know, like, and, and the, the word, the, the kind of the phrase that just would repeat in my head was, I just don't understand, you know, that would be the kind of, that would be where my melancholy would come from or, or revolve around. 
just losing a sense of and and, and I feel like every time I'm in a, a transitional space between one understanding or one perspective or one way of seeing things and moving toward another, that limbo period of being at sea would always have that kind of that not knowing and I think time has at least taught me that that's what that period is you know I can settle into kind of knowing that you know I'm in this transitional period of of moving from one perspective to a different perspective and always a bigger perspective so that would have been initially it I also then uh, I was born with my hips displaced so I uh, as a kid I would have had bouts of pain you know I, I remember it kind of beginning around my teens um of having like you know six month stretches where I was just in chronic pain in my body and I did years of kind of physio and and chiropractors and all of this stuff and finding yoga when I was about 17 was a real kind of like oh fuck there's something in this um, like I remember waking up before school and, and having no pain and actually feeling really light in my body. And that was a really different, radical experience for me. So that was probably my doorway into a kind of um, a traditional practice, let's say, you know, into the practice of yoga and meditation. And um, yeah, and, and kind of realizing at that point as well that the the pain or the suffering that I kind of had, you know, in a sense, I could say created or brought in with me or, or uh, it was my job to work it out that, you know, going to see somebody else and, and getting adjustments and is, is beneficial and great, but it's not, it was never the answer. Mm. So the practice of yoga was definitely a way to begin to explore, um, the realm of of the physical but the physical as it fits into a bigger picture into a bigger um for me again that bigger understanding of how the physical body is part of this bigger system that allows us to experience you know a deeper understanding or a richer understanding so yeah so that's kind of the the backstory cool mm. really resonated with what you said there about the sitting in those periods of transition or limbo mm. um your program because i was doing your program as well it really brought me to that i remember it was around christmas in that winter period and i'd never really experienced or been aware anyway i'd never been aware of the whole seasonal effect on us mm. never been aware of that so much and like this year or last last christmas I really, really was. And I suppose what was so, what's the word, revealing to me was that I, I sort of expected, like when I, when I turned my life around and started leading a more healthy life, I expected without the alcohol, without the drugs, without all that drama, that everything was going to be rosy. Not really thinking that, all that stuff was the distraction from myself. So when I started to really delve into myself, at times it's it's much harder because mm. when I want to run for the distraction, that's when I have to actually sit in mm. it. And Christmas was massive, like mm. around that period. And I remember saying that in one of the calls. And I suppose I discovered a part of myself that is still there, that kind of, that darkness that is still 
in me and that's totally fine that it's there. Um, I think I was fighting it back then when I was in this stage of limbo. I was kind of a little bit annoyed with myself that it was still there because I thought it was gone. And I suppose because of the program, I was able to, to know that it's okay that this is here. It's that time of the year even, mm-hmm. um, just to sit with it. And a lot of stuff came true for me. And at times I did make little mistakes, you know, and, but I just learned from all of them. And it was a process that I couldn't really see at the time that was happening, mm-hmm. you know, and to come out the other side. And when I say come out the other side, it's when I'm going back into those, because those limbo stages for me, they, they're coming in waves and, and regular enough at times. But because of that, because of last Christmas, I know when it comes now, I can observe what's going on. Mm. Uh, I still feel the feelings. I still feel the feelings totally, but I'm not getting so sucked into them. I'm like, okay, wow, like this is intense, you know, Mm. but it's, I'm really connecting with the breath massively, Mm. just taking those deep inhales. Like I've known that for years, but now I understand it to a certain level anyway, of how much that actually does help. And I think the reason I understand it is because I got to a point where in those situations, I can use it because I suppose we can have the knowledge of these things because we hear them a lot now on social media and a lot of people talking about these things. So the knowledge is there. It's just having the courage or the discipline, whatever you want to call it, to use those tools in those situations. Mm. So like when you are like, it was just because of that sitting in that, that first time and not running for the distraction that allows me now to be able to do that when these waves come. So like, yeah, it just, just really resonated with me when you said that there. Yeah. 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 Look, and it's, you know, yeah, it's just the human experience, isn't it? Like, Mm. You know, on some respect, part of us is programmed just to run away from ourselves. Like that's our, our nervous system, our sympathetic nervous system just doesn't want to fucking do the hard work. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, we're living in a society, our modern Western society, that's, that's how it's orchestrated. It's all, it's all built on distraction, built on stepping away and out of, you know, what you're talking about, of that place of dropping in and meeting what we're carrying. Because we're all traumatized. Yeah, you know, like we're all fucking traumatized. Our society is traumatized. So collectively, individually, like we're all carrying trauma, and of course, it makes sense that we just don't want to fucking deal with it. So you know, like that's you know, and kudos to you and you guys in particular for you know for the work you're doing with yourselves, but also how you're bringing it to kids. You know, bringing these these techniques and these uh, supportive systems so kids can begin to learn how to like you're like you're doing just sit with what it is that like i was i was listening to somebody earlier on talking about he was talking about enlightenment you know and saying look there's nothing fucking sexy about enlightenment there's nothing Mm. you know interesting about it like a cup of tea is more interesting than the idea of enlightenment and enlightenment is just being with ourselves just knowing ourselves just learning how to be with ourselves and that's quite a radical thing in our world like, 
you know, in, in the Western world in particular, it's quite a radical thing. And I don't know, like maybe it's because so much of Western society is built on, you know, traumatic, violent events that, you know, that we just haven't honored, you know, we haven't moved through, or we haven't, like, I remember, I remember the queen coming over, like, what was it like 10 years ago? And I paid no, no attention to it at all. I had no kind of, just didn't. And, and I was driving down the rock road and they were talking about her being down in the market in Cork and meeting people and, uh, and then laying the wreath at the garden of remembrance and speaking in Irish. And, and then they played the green fields of France after it. And I just fucking burst into tears. And I just realized that this whole layer that I was so, I had no sense of, no awareness of this whole layer of trauma actually got lifted through her coming and doing that. Like a whole, and like even all the people who were kind of naysaying it and the people who were, you know, like anti blah, blah, blah. Everybody shut up because on some level, everybody registered how powerful that particular moment was in time. And I think, you know, like we do our work and I think, you know, we're committed to meeting what we need to meet and moving through what we need to meet. And, you know, and like in my own life, continuously falling down, you know, continuously not understanding or getting it wrong or fucking up or, you know, and, and I have, you know, um, tools and in relationship with people who will help me, you know, when I need to be helped and supported but I, you know, I think of the complexity of what it is to be a human being and the depth and the layers that we carry. And, you know, like, it's fucking profound. Like, you know, like I've done work through the breath and I've gone back to, you know, generation after generation of generation and experienced and felt the trauma in my body to be able to acknowledge it and release it and let go of it and clear it and, and there's such big work to be done, like, you know, like I was having a conversation, I was talking with, um, with Laura, who was on here recently, about the idea of a, a, of a collective day of grief, a national day of grief, mm. you know, like learning to grieve. And for me, the last kind of three years in particular, I've really met grief. Like if I was going to use one word to describe the last three years, it would be grief. And these layers that I had no sense of before, and maybe I just wasn't ready to feel or to accept or to, uh, uh, but just this, this, just this grief, like, and it's a lot of it's mine, but it's also, it's my parents and it's their parents and their parents and their parents. It's grief for the famine. It's grief for the, the, you know, the, 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 the country being um, ruled by cruelly by another uh, oppressor. Like it's all of that stuff that just, is held in our system and creates our dis-ease and our disease. And, you know, like for me, this work is about just seeing those layers, you know, and beginning to meet them and meet ourselves and meet that stuff. Like that's the, like, like you say, you know, you think you give up the, the drink and the drugs and, you know, fuck, I'm doing great. But like, then it's like, then it's the work. Like, then it's like the, and then the beauty of it is, is that, like we get to experience life in a way we just haven't experienced it before. And that's the, like, that's the, the space between, you know, this is how I see it. And suddenly that, or not suddenly, but you have a moment where that way of being in the world just doesn't work anymore. 
you know, and our gut tells us that and we've got to shift and we've got to move. And those moments are those periods of just not knowing. I don't have a fucking clue. Like I don't have, a, like I've been driving around in my car a couple of years ago and just, just, I don't have a fucking clue. I have, I have no idea what's going on. I just, you know, I have no words to explain it, no sense of it. And this being that period of interim before some deeper understanding, some deeper understanding. And, and I feel like, you know, so much of what it is, is creating, it's like bolstering the containers. So more, more depth or more wisdom or more life gets to move through, can be held in the container. It's like the, the frequency can, can get richer or can get higher and can be held in, as opposed to the, you know, I think, we're so used to numbing out in our society that our containers can't hold the, uh, the velocity of, you know, of life that is, you know, or designed to move through us. And even, you know, people talk about the idea that we're going through an acceleration, that there's something happening on a bigger scale, you know, and that maybe the pandemic was part of that, or maybe the, the war that's going on is part of that is an invitation into, like, I, I, I definitely think that, you know, whatever perspectives you might have, a big part of what's being put on the table is this invitation into grief. Like even the shooting in the States, like, fuck, like the grief, the grief, the grief. And the grief is a doorway into, like it's part of the cruel, in a sense, the, you know, like what the Buddha would have talked about in terms of just part of this deal is suffering. Is like, how do we be with suffering? How do we be with it? You know, and and then it's like our capacity to be the alchemist comes into play. Like we take suffering and we transform it. Mm. That's what we do. That's our game. Yeah, it's like sitting from my experiences when I sit with those things that are coming up for me. And even when I feel lost, it's by sitting with them, I find I understand myself better than eventually. And that's when I can come out then mm. and live a fuller mm. life because yeah. I have more of a deeper understanding of myself. Yeah. And when I realized that there was no, there was going to be no end to that journey, it took so much pressure off. Mm. There's no destination to try and get to. Yeah, yeah. It's just when the stuff is coming up or wants to be released out of the body, whether it's your own or whether it's generational, when that's released, then it's the, the lighter load for a while. And mm. that deeper understanding allows you to be yourself more. Mm. more confidence to be yourself for me personally anyway mm. um but what I, was, what I was thinking is what would your opinion be if somebody was kind of starting that journey um what way would you advise it when the stuff is coming up what would your advice be to someone first word is kindness i think Do you know and and i say that because i've, I've been a fucker to myself like mm. you know in terms of Like, so for me growing up, I grew up, uh, you know, and I think most of us could probably resonate with like, let's say, uh, traditional Irish issues in the household. <laughs> yeah. So where I went into the program that my protection, the way I kind of learned to present myself was to be a really nice guy. You know, I'm this really nice guy. So because my experience of anger growing up was pretty unhealthy. Um, I just, I just disassociated from that part of myself, you know, and I think that then 
kind of put me into a place in which, you know, my striving to be better, to be better, to be better kind of had a, had a, a, a I suppose, an angst in, in it, you know, had a disassociation from my anger. So it was coming out in different ways, leaking out, let's say. So, you know, I think what I've learned in recent years is kindness is the key. Kindness is the key. So it's some play between, you know, you're perfect the way you are and also acknowledging that, you know, this human experience, this, this relational experience is a journey from A to B. But I suppose so much of how we're kind of taught to move from A to B is if you don't get to B, you're not going to get paid. You know, if you don't get to B, you're not all right. If you don't get to B and you're not being productive, then you're not worthy. And it's trying to drop into, in a, in a sense, it's this trying to, trying to stop in a sense, because the ground of being is a place of I am full, I'm complete, I don't need anything. Trying to, how do we awaken to that? And that journey has to revolve around kindness. Like, it, I, don't, I just don't, I think, you know, we're missing the point if it's not that. So, you know, when I talk to people, you know, like, so for instance, I do corporate work, I do corporate meditation work, and I meet a lot of people who just haven't practiced before. And, you know, they're coming out with, well, look, I can't sit still for this long. Or, you know, when I breathe deeply, I have palpitations or, you know, where they're having these strong reactions to quite gentle practices. The game is like, be kind, go slow. You don't need something else to beat yourself up with. This is not what these practices are about. You know, like you're doing okay. So what will support you? What do you feel you can do? Like, what can you, you know, what small steps can you make? Um, you know, and I suppose like maybe you guys resonate too with the, you know, setting goals that were just like fucking ridiculous because it wasn't taking into account who am I? What's my limitations? What are my programs? What's my story? You know, how do I, you know, get my own way can i kind of acknowledge and be kind around all of that you know and begin to create a life that actually doesn't give myself such a hard time like i would continuously set goals that i just couldn't achieve because you know i had too much shit in the way and i wasn't honoring that and i kind of had these ideas of being you know perfect like these ideas of you know this spiritual bypassing like that would have been a huge part of you know, my initial delve into spirituality and into this work uh, where I wasn't just incorporating my shadow, you know, my, my, my darkness. So yeah, like mm. kindness, 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 kindness. Well, yeah, there's, there's so much in what you said there. Um, and I think, yeah, for me, definitely that kindness and compassion for yourself is so important for me on my journey because I'm similar to yourself maybe where I would have set these like ridiculous goals um that I probably couldn't achieve but I always had this drive to do more and yeah obviously I've realized in recently recent years that that's coming from a place of lack um mm. but they, at the same time when I when I'm more centered I'm in my heart space then it like naturally this kind of natural drive comes from love, which is like, you know, to just want to give others that same feeling. I think it's, and I've, I'm starting to realize the difference in when it's coming from a place of fear versus a place of love. And 
yeah, for me that I suppose just having compassion with myself as well when it is coming from a place of fear or ego that I just catch myself and you know we're all human as you said and it's not easy. Um, but, but there's one thing I wanted to kind of touch touch on that you said. You mentioned anger and my own relationship with anger. I think as well as you was kind of similar in terms of I always used to kind of just be like, no, anger is, you know, it's not productive. It's not useful. So I only recently I was at a a weekend with the Mankind Project and um, I realized how much I'd actually been suppressing my anger. Mm-hmm. Like sat like with grief, I was pretty good. Um, like I was able to feel like I'd cry a lot and stuff like that. <laughs> we mentioned that a few times on the podcast. Um, I'm yet to cry on the podcast, but um, we can do it now if you like. Let's get angry first. Yeah, get angry. Um, but they they were kind of talking about the archetypes, I suppose, at this weekend, and they were talking about how grief is the emotion associated with the lover archetype and the grief that grief is the gateway to love so like the only way to truly love is to be able to truly grieve mm. and then for the archetype of the warrior the gateway emotion was anger mm. and it was like it's important to feel the anger and go through the anger to get to that's what brings determination you know to stand for what's right and mm. you know fight for those you love when you need to like sometimes there is a need for that and i suppose i just realized how much anger i had bottled up inside that when i i released some of it at that weekend and it was i suppose afterwards i realized the power of releasing it in a healthy way as daryl will talk about a lot like obviously does you don't want to go around releasing anger in negative ways which it's often associated with but i think just maybe it's a societal thing, but for me anyway, I I took the belief that anger is not good, therefore it should not be expressed. But like whatever you don't express is suppressed. So I was just bottling it all up. And when I let it out, I real I really felt more centered in myself, more um in my own sovereignty, like to be able to stand on my two feet more, because at times I'd often be more like, say, looking to other people like a bit of a people pleaser, like what do they want and mm. how does my actions affect them instead of thinking, what do I actually want? Mm. I was always putting them first instead of myself. So after that, I really felt more like it's okay to, you know, express what you want as long as it doesn't hurt anyone else. Um, and I just, I suppose, what what's your take on that whole anger piece in society, especially around men? Like, are we pushing it down? to a negative extent because of the connotations associated with it. Look, I, you know, my experience is very similar to you in that I would have taken on the role of pleasing people. So putting other people's needs ahead of mine and then having no sense of where mine were or what they were, where, how to find them. And I think, you know, for me, what that created was rage really, you know, just raging inside and 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 this then kind of having to hold it all together and not being aware of this like i'd no mm. like no sense of this and and it was a few years ago and i think actually my doorway into into grief was through anger actually it was really beginning to let my f- 
self feel like I just got into this into this place in my life in which it was time to just really let myself get angry and actually what I did is I just fucking hopped in my car and I just drove for two weeks around the country mm. you know listening to listening to audiobooks and podcasts and just you know feeling the discomfort of rage and then as that began to become more, become more comfortable began to feel the grief underneath that anger mm. like you think the grief underneath it and that was something then cracking open but yeah and, and like you know like you know i'm still very much you know just beginning this journey in a way and um i think like you said as well that that anger is fucking so powerful when you begin to channel it through your system in a different way and it's like the way i was imagining it my last kind of experience of, of anger it was like the programs i had set up the software i had set up in my system when it began to come up it would like it would it would detour it off into in, I tell you, actually, this is the experience I had. I parked outside my ex's place to drop my kid off. And there was no parking space. It usually just parking space. There was no parking spaces. So I had to park on the footpath. And as I was getting my kid out, an older woman was walking by and she was visibly pissed off. And I apologized and she kind of muttered something and I fucking snapped. And I said, you know, I said some snarky comments. And then I dropped my kid off and I left. And then I got this tech kind of snarky text from my ex. And I just had this moment of like, I was fucking raging. And I was just sitting with it. And I was actually on the way to the gym and I was doing, I was doing weights, lifting weights. And I was just feeling this fucking rage in my system. And, and, and I was listening to the programs, my traditional programs around when that comes up and beginning to kind of just really for that time, I was just feeling it. And over the next day or two, um, in fact, the next day I was doing a Cambo session. And I remember I was sitting before the session. I was sitting in this warrior fucking, like I was sitting and it was just this sense of utter stillness. And I realized that I'd managed to take that anger and where I would usually leak it out into the world and create suffering, like the snarky comment, the fucking lashback, that part of me was able to just hold it in my system let it be there and sit and it began to transform into this warrior energy this feeling of just you know i was about to go into this really strong cambo medicine and just the feeling of utter presence was like i was really and i kind of got all right this is when you actually take this stuff and you use it you know because our system is the alchemist we bring it into our systems and we can create suffering or we can create the opposite you know, in my tradition, because I, I was so uncomfortable with the feeling of, of anger in my system, my game before was get it out of me, get it out of me, get it out of me as quick as I can. And if that includes giving you a hard time or giving you a hard time or blaming them or blaming them. That's what I'll do. That's what I've learned to do. That's what, you know, what I've been taught to do. And, you know, through the work of beginning to really create a container that can hold, it just has the capacity to hold more. And, and that's growing all the time. My ability to be able to witness the experience is just getting stronger. So I can I can see, you know, my my inclination or the 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 addiction to want to shit on someone or shit on something or get, you know, blame something or just get it out of me. 
and it's like you know it's like ejaculating it's like you just you lose your energy it's just gone you're weaker because of it and, and you're then part of the cycle of suffering in the world mm. and my capacity to be able to hold it is like practicing tantra mm. it's like fuck and you feel this power in your system and you're sending it through the central channel and it becomes something like, and, and this is the amazing thing. And this is why we do this work is because we recognize that when we're able to begin to, whether it's release a layer or, or, or create a container that can begin to then hold more of that energy. It's like, suddenly we see, ah, the fucking, the experience becomes so richer it becomes like, it's like, all oh, right, this is why we're here. This isn't this, you know, this is taking, the mundane and turning it into something fucking sacred and powerful that we feel in our system that then allows us to, like you say, to be in the world and to experience like excitement, like excitement comes from anger. Like anger can create excitement. It can create joy. It can create the boundaries that we need to really honor ourselves. Like all of that comes through healthy anger and, and like, Oh man, like I spent my whole childhood just running away from it. And then it, you know, it coming in, it coming in to kind of to, to kind of test me. And I would just fail the test and fail the test and fail the test. I just had no understanding of it. Like I even remember, you know, my, my, my relationships have been like such incredible teachers. My my ex-wife, who's this amazing, amazing woman, and she's very much uh, you know, the stepmom of my, of my eldest boy who's now 18. And she pointed out this pattern. And when she pointed it out, I didn't fucking understand it. She talked about how I was unwilling to let him experience his anger, that I would continually try to appease or just make him happy. And I realized that was because I hadn't met my own. And it was only when I began to meet my own that I began to see my relationship with my eldest boy change in that when he was angry, this is going to sound a little odd, but I, part of me was happy because I knew he was feeling stuff that he had just not felt. And, and he has the same, he is the same stuff as me. Like I, I like, it's amazing how it works generationally. And I know when I go through big clearings, it's gone in him. Like it shifts mm. in him. Mm. So, you know, uh, really I began to see the shifts and the changes through my relationship with my eldest boy and, and me becoming comfortable with him being uncomfortable. And I realized, Oh, that's because I'm okay with being uncomfortable now. I'm getting better at meeting that, that discomfort in myself. And I think, you know, that's again, we're back to, you know, like the, the big patterns in our society are to avoid that, avoid it, avoid it. And people make loads of money out of telling us to avoid it, you know, get this, get that. And, you know, like, it's, you know, all perfectly orchestrated to, to feed into that nervous system stuff. of Oh, I don't have to feel it. And then, you know, just like I see my patterns when I'm, you know, drinking too much coffee or I'm, you know, like, you know, the, those times where I'm part of me is an avoidance. And, it, and it's through my addictions that are fairly benign at this point. But it's through those that I that I begin to realize, oh, hang on, there's something going on here that I'm not paying attention to or meeting or to then create the quiet space to to allow what needs to or what, what is you know asking to come up to come up um 
Yeah, but relationship, relationship has been an amazing and continues and will always continue to be, you know, whether it's with my children or my partner or my, my, my ex-partners, because I have, a, I, I, have, I have these three women in my life. I have the mother of my eldest boy, and then she moved to the States when he was seven. So he lived with me and my ex-wife. So she's very much a stepmom. And then I have a two-year-old boy and his mom. And, you know, I look at how I have created these situations where these people are in my life and will have to be in my life. And my, my, the games around that, what I've learned, how I've, how I've been taught through having to meet these, these amazing, strong women and meet my stuff, you know, continually meet my stuff around the relationships to bring harmony back into, you know, situations that really encompass children. So, you know, and they've been amazing teachers to me, you know, and really meeting my shadow and my stuff. And, and I think I've, you know, traditionally I've, you know, I think I've, uh, particularly around women, you know, I've, I've had to learn a lot um, that it was a very, um, it was a very murky, I think it was a, a way a lot of my shadow would have played out through relationships with women. So, yeah, there's a divergence, but anyway. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, very much resonate with that as well. It's relationships really do, they bring up so much. And I've really learned as well to, with relationships and other challenging situations, just how much of a gift they really are in what you can learn from your, about yourself if you are just able to look at it in the right way. Mm. That's been a massive part of my life recently. And you mentioned um, channeling the anger mm. and using that then mm. as a good energy. I just wanted to share that only yesterday um, I had a similar experience, but it was with more it was more with grief and pain. So I've been doing this breathwork practice every morning, short, powerful breathwork practice that I've been doing consistently. Mm. And recently, nearly every single morning, I've been getting a release through crying. Mm. It feels quite painful and quite deep. Don't know exactly what it is, don't need to know. I'm fine with that. Um, but it was yesterday morning, and again the tears were starting to come and, and this shortness of breath. And I was like, I don't want to, I don't feel like I need to release this today. And instead I tried to channel that down through my body. And what happened was my whole body started vibrating with this energy, but it didn't, it, it, I know it felt like it was coming from sort of some sort of pain, mm. which it, it probably was, or it was, it was, I know it was, but when I, brought it down into my body that way consciously and with the intention of transforming it into energy how i felt within 10 seconds i could have ran a marathon like with with that energy so it's like anger pain they they really can be transformed into something that we can use like to to benefit us mm. you know and um I just really wanted to touch on that. I didn't actually have a question there, but come. Yeah, no, listen, my, when you say that my whole body is tingling, like yeah. you're, and, and, and like, you know, it, it's testament to you trusting your gut. And like, this is the end yeah. of the day. We all fucking know how to, like, we know, Do you know, like, 
there's that beautiful Ramdas. I don't know which one of the songs that they have Ramdas on, and he talks about you know, oh, sitting around the fire. You heard that one? Yes, yeah, yeah, quite a oh, few times. Fuck, wow. like you know, and he talks about you know the idea that you think you don't know, you know, yes, you no, know, you know, like. It's just trying to it's, it's trying to trust that intuition when it comes yeah, in. Yeah, and look, all our practices are are yeah. you know, they're about supporting us in dropping back, dropping back, dropping back, dropping back. And of course we get lost. Like fuck me, the world's a difficult place to be in. Yeah, it's totally you know, it pulls us all kinds of different directions. And if you know, we responsibilities, like all of that shit that like it's all there, but like the game is can you come back? Can you come back? Can you come back? And when you can't come back and it's not working, can you be kind? Can you be kind? Can you be kind? And like, you know, but like, yeah, fucking nail on the head, you know, to feel what and when it's appropriate. And I think at times it is a release and at other times it's alchemy. Yeah. It's just alchemy. It's like to know when to bring it in and you transform it. It's like, like, and that, what you're talking about is like, it's the most profound practice. It's taking suffering and turning it into fucking beauty, turning it into something incredible and amazing and life affirming. And, you know, and yeah, like even like we get into these ideas of the right and wrong and good and bad. And it's like, fuck, you just take it and you fucking change it. Yes. And I think when you experience it, when you do experience it, it's, you can apply that to so many other areas of your life. Mm. So many. Mm. Yeah, it's very, very powerful. And mm. it was very, very profound. And I, and I think you said once, Michael, that it's the heart, that's the alchemist, which like sits mm. in the middle of the, the chakras. And that's that's what transforms the energy. It's like if you trans use love to transform the anger, it's going to come into something positive. So it's just remembering mm. to, I suppose, try and connect with the heart. And then how mm. can you use that energy? in a positive way yeah. yeah and that's probably like the idea of like i think traditionally when i would have experienced difficult emotions we just shut my heart down i go into protection around my heart like that would be the big and i think a lot of the work my work has been around you know opening the heart opening the heart and bolstering its capacity to remain open and sure, there's fucking plenty of times it closes and, and you know, when life is difficult and things are struggling and, and then I'll have practices to come back into that space. And, you know, and you just you form a deeper relationship all the time to, you know, when you're in that space, when you're not in that space. And, and, and again, this idea of being kind and allowing and life is this concophony of experience. Um, but definitely for me, the central kind of pivotal point is the heart is 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 working around the heart and how it fits in and how it supports and allows us to be in the world in a different way and mm. like yeah like i very much you know as i've you know particularly those those kind of peak moments those peak experiences where you where i've transformed or released or and really and you said this daryl around kind of having a new sense of yourself it's like literally it's like I've had these moments of like, oh, this is who I am, or mm. this is closer to who I am, or this is where I've let go of patterns that I've been, you know, have just been so interwoven with my personality and my identity. And suddenly they're gone through this work. They're just literally not there. 
And it's like, oh, you know, and it's a real sense of like that this life is so much around continuous discovery. Mm. It's like, you know, it's like, yeah, like you said, it's, you, there's never one point. And our linear mind is so fucking tricky with this idea of, I get there now and I'll be grand and I get there and I'll be grand. It's like the retirement. It's like, it's just, you know, it's terrible. And it's like so fucking radically beautiful as well. And there's such an immensity. Like, and for me, it's like, this is the work. This is the work that, you know, this is the really important work, this inner work. None of the outer shit was going to fucking change unless people are doing this inner work. Mm, It's just not we just keep perpetuating the suffering like and i saw it like that moment where i was parked in the car and i she lashed out at me and it's like my inability to you know is even my inability just to be around anger to to feel her anger and to be okay you know Mm. and i had to lash out i dropped straight into that smaller place and i perpetuate suffering and that's a small little occurrence but that's the stuff that starts wars yeah it's the same stuff it's the same frequency you're sending out there. To, stuff, yeah. yeah. And that's, for me, that's something I'm still, it's like my deep knowing knows that it's the inner work. I think it's another Ramda song. It's in your meditation this week. It, it's just uh, the real work you have to do is in, it's in the quietness of your own heart. Yeah. And it's like, I know deep down that's, that's all I need to do is just that work from on myself, the inner work. Yeah. But then there's always this other part of me just like, but I need to help people. And, you know, but I, again, I, I'm just fighting with those. It's kind of like the, I suppose, probably a bit of ego that kind of wants to do things in the world. Um, but also coming from a place of love at the same time. So it's trying to just give myself permission to take more time to go deeper in my practices. Like I, I already do about like two hours in the morning, but like of my own stuff, but I'm like, it's kind of tied to time. Like I'm t- box ticking at times. I'm like, just doing meditation, my yoga, bit of breath work, and then go and do yeah. work instead of just being like, I was listening to a podcast today with Zach Bush talking about how we've just become slaves to time. Like we serve time mm. and we can't be in the now because we're always in the past and the, the future. And I'm just, even myself, my girlfriend, we're talking like, what? I was like, what am I going to do for the summer? I don't know. And I was just like, why am I even worried about that? Like, I'm going to have an amazing summer if I just be in the now. And I think what you were saying about like, it's tough being a human. And it is like when you're going through all this suffering, but I think that's what makes it more beautiful when you have, you know, the way you'd listen to a book, um, like Eckhart Tolle, The Power Now, and he's like, you know, just look at a leaf and you should feel beauty and joy and you're just like it's fucking leaf like but when you <laughs> when you re- <laughs> when you realize um all the suffering and the shit when you're doing the work and then you see a leaf yeah. and there's just peace and there's just now and then you're like oh it's it is fucking beautiful um i just wanted to say that because i think as well for me it's it sounds like sometimes when you're talking about this work, it sounds like, why would you bother? But as you said, it gets a lot. I think a lot of people come into it when they get to a point in their lives where it's just a bit mundane, the everyday, you know, the external world just doesn't fill them up anymore. And they're just like, I want something deeper. And then 
you do the inner work and then everything does become more beautiful like the yeah those just small moments if you can just remember to be in in those small moments instead of getting caught in the past and the future and ticking boxes and stuff like that yeah it's yeah like i i think it's it's exciting i'm at the point where i find it exciting now because the range of emotions can be so different and on such different spectrums but i just have such an understanding I'm, i'm at a level of understanding where i know that with the the more negative tough emotions to to sit in that you're going to experience those more euphoric feelings you know it's like it's just trusting trust i'm i'm trusting every process that's happening mm. like i have a deep trust but that did not come quickly that took a long time so it's like it's if you if someone is coming into this kind of work yeah like comic said a lot of the time when we're talking i i do be wary that it probably sounds very dark and negative a lot of the time but it's it's beautiful and it's it allows you to experience for me it has allowed me to experience those more euphoric feelings on a much deeper level because i'm experiencing the darker feelings on a much deeper level and that's totally fine because like at the end of the day it's just a human experience why not experience the whole thing mm. you know instead of for me i was like hovering around limbo just being numb the whole time mm. you know it's like now i have i was going to say yeah the best of both worlds the dark and the light because mm. i heard someone say before as well the bigger the light the darker the shadow or the bigger the shadow so it's mm. like you can't have one without the other yeah, yeah. and that's totally fine it's yeah. like yeah Yeah, like I think it's the human experience, isn't it? It's like, you know, and I think people come into this this world, you know, like in terms of the, these healing practices, usually because they're suffering, mm. you know. And it's it, it, like it, like the people I resonate most with in the world are people who've suffered greatly, you know, and have managed to create some quality of freedom through that suffering. Like I have a few friends who just, you know, who've been through the ringer and have made sense of it and, and used it as a force to drop a little deeper within themselves, to meet themselves in, in, a, in a, and look, that's, that's authenticity, you know, that's, that's the game. Like, and even like, I remember the last men's retreat we did last September and we were sitting around passing a talking stick And uh, Dermot had picked up a hammer to use as the talking stick. <laughs> I know, just fucking, the hammer was just lying there. So he picked it up and we started passing it around. The fucking grief that came out of the men around their fathers. Everybody had a fucking story about their dad and a hammer and their, you know, like. And out of all of the men, the majority of them had suffered and you could feel how it dropped them into somewhere authentic within themselves. They just, it just cuts out bullshit. And then there was a few guys who hadn't, it hadn't, it hadn't dropped into their bodies yet. It, they were still trying to, they were still in their head with it. They had, just hadn't worked it out yet. But it is like it, like that suffering drops us down. It brings us down into our bodies. It brings us home. 
to somewhere deeper within ourselves. And I think that's then the beginning of, particularly as men, like, you know, I can't speak for women, but particularly as men that, you know, like you think about what men traditionally go through, like men are sent to war, men are the ones who are dying, men are the ones in service. You know, to be able to take that and to transform it, which is in one sense, the job of the masculine, the masculine is consciousness is like being able to hold the bigger, the bigger perspective to take what you need to take and to transform it into just presence, you know, and that was that feeling pre Cambo after having that really difficult experience with anger. It's like that anger transformed in me into just presence into that warrior cut through presence. I was just fucking fully there. Yeah, so that's the gift of what most of us spend our lives running away from. Do you know, like, it's like, yeah, like so much is orchestrated because that's what we're taught. Like the suffering was so bad. You know, we have a country of, you know, alcoholism and, you know, pedophiles and all of this stuff is all you know revolves around our lack of understanding incapacity to be with our own pain our own suffering and it's like obviously it's a fucking oxymoron it's like a like you know because our last number of hundreds of years have been around the rational the empirical you know, have been all around the head. You know, the head doesn't understand stuff. The stuff the head just will not, cannot, like this needs to be digested through the body. It needs to be absorbed and metamorphosized through the body, through the heart, through the guts. It needs to come through those places for us to, for the head to have any sense of it. The head just gets stuck. It just gets caught in loops and in madness. Um. I resonate. I actually resonate a lot with what you're saying there because I was on a men's retreat with Dermot recently, the deer tanning retreat. Mm. And going down, I felt, you know, so open. I, I'm very open anyway. And I just felt like really open. I was really looking forward to it. And I suppose I was only on one other men's retreat before and it was nothing like this um, because this is going to be very hands-on. And I got down there and all of a sudden, boom, there was a wall that I wasn't expecting. Um, see, the work was very hands-on. A lot of the lads speak in Asquilga. I, I can understand it quite well, but I can't speak it. So then straight away I was feeling inadequate. They were up on pedestals in my eyes. Um, Dermid was up on a pedestal, you know, and it just closed me off initially. Um, but again, like I was saying about sitting in those limbo moments I, I was like okay Darryl, what's going on here like I was able to kind of observe it and it was all stuff from back in school and um not being able to do what other people could do or when I started when I, I used to work on building sites all the time when I was younger and when you're very young on a building site you're always and if you if you don't really know what you're doing talk down to like berated you know mm. looked at looked down upon ignored like it's it's actually a fucking horrendous um, a horrendous environment to be in, mm. like a building site. It still is, still is like that. But um, that's actually bringing up a bit of anger in me now. But um, 
so it was like I was observing all that and it took me a little while. It was actually a conversation with a guy called Garode. He was helping mm. um he was helping out down there. It was a conversation with him because because he was helping out, he was up on a pedestal in my eyes. Then he spoke to me and he was laughing and joking, big smile on his face. And that actually helped the wall to start crumbling down. I was like, You're so in your own head here, Daryl, you know? Mm. Um now it didn't it didn't fully come down for the whole retreat it was but it was like it really showed me that i had a lot of work to do around being around other men you know and being comfortable because i'm much more comfortable when there's women there or there's a female presence um that makes me much more comfortable and but which means i know i need i have work to do when it comes to mm. that whole masculine thing and and not i suppose feeling the competitiveness of it or um thinking like what what really stuck out with me was putting the people on pedestals like damn it do you know and when i do that i can't interact i don't know what to say i don't know how to be i feel like i'm being judged so it's like i think i just have to realize and i have a lot to learn around that um around not not doing that because once I do and I've spoken to other people about this and other people have had similar experiences once you put someone on a pedestal it's very hard to take them down mm. it's very, very hard to to get fully for me anyway to get fully comfortable so the reason I'm talking about the whole men's retreat is you and Dermot have another one coming up soon so it's just going to ask you maybe for anyone any men that might be listening and intrigued by this kind of work what kind of stuff does it involve and how important do you think it is for men to, to come together as men and, and open up and, and share and share these experiences? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the first thing I'd say around what you're expressing is, um, you know, that's what we've all been taught to do. You know, that's, that's the old programs that we've all been, we've all grown up in, you know, that competitive lone wolfy kind of, the tendency to, you know, he's better than me, you know, that, that, that perspective. And I think that's in all of us, you know, um, that would get addressed straight away in a retreat that I'm working on in terms of the first time we orientate, we would address that because that's, it's such a fucking elephant in the room, mm. you know, cause we all do it. I think once that's addressed, that then begins to, you know, create a little bit of separation within ourselves, a little bit of uh, capacity to objectively experience what's moving through us and not identify so heavily with it, because it's just a layer that we've all been taught to, to sit in. Then I think what begins to become available to us when we hang with men is something much deeper that resonates at that deeper space between the masculines it just is there and and then there's a like like from the perspective of just that deep fucking presence that the masculine personifies an experience of that in our system so our system learning how to calibrate to that to the other kind of end of just fucking light-hearted crack where you're just fucking having fun and men are just relaxed being around men. And um, 
so yeah it's 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 a profoundly important space for us as men to learn to be to to learn to be in you know and to you know it's like what we've been talking about in terms of experience our suffering and beginning to recognize that that's the actual stuff that brings the joy into our lives that allows us to crack open to experience greater joy in the same way that's what these male masculine weekends retreats are all about that they're inviting us to experience it's like when we begin to drop in it's like we begin to open to each other's frequency you know and it's that one frequency that moves through all of us that becomes available it becomes amplified so it drops all of us to somewhere deeper and again it's like that you know opening to the place that's there it's just a deeper experience of ourselves of being the masculine of being the man and allows us then to begin to see that stuff you're talking about, which is the stuff, you know, the, 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 com- the competitive stuff, which is the, all the old kind of patri- or patriarchal kind of stuff we've grown up in. You know, that's for most of us where, you know, m- our fathers would be a lot of the time or our, their fa- you know, it's like that's survival stuff, you know, in a system that's broken. So, you know, and look, I don't want to knock the system in that, you know, like, it's all, it's all appropriate, you know, it's all this included in the dance to moving into greater awareness and a greater understanding of ourselves and meeting ourselves in different ways. But yeah, like I've really, I really found the, the weekend such a nourishing experience, you know, and unexpected was the first one I'd run um, or we'd run and, um Yeah, like there's different, like you know, doing it with Kieran or sorry, with uh, Dermot. Like Dermot is um, is very much like that hands-on, wild man, you know, back into the wild part. And then I bring something different to it as well in terms of the practices that revolve around the heart and dropping into that space. So for me, that's that's a re- the reason we do it together is because it balances really well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, what you're talking about is yeah, like that's I think that's we all have we've all grown up on that and soaked that in and that's just a layer that we get triggered into, you know, we just, and then, you know, to have something that can then soften us back into being able to hold that with, you know, an understanding and a kindness and allowing of that this is what men have been doing for thousands of years, you know? Mm, Uh, So we're moving into a new understanding, you know, and we look out into the world and like uh, certainly, a lot of the people I know, like Laura and, and Kathy Scott and Mary Kennedy and these amazing women who are kind of spearheading all of this kind of what they're calling kind of the third wave of feminism, where, you know, feminism actually is, is, is integrating the shadow and the light of the feminine of the woman um, and not so much projecting it toward men. And, you know, that that's the kind of the old school and, I think we as men are are at this point as well in which, you know, those old paradigms of the masculine, they, they just don't fit anymore. They don't work anymore. Um, you know, and and an acknowledgement also that, you know, we as men have also suffered under the the the, the structures that have been in place. Um, you know, in one sense you could say maybe we've had the best seats at the table, but the table's been serving as fucking poison. So yeah. So, yeah, it is this, and it has to be uncomfortable. It can't not be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It can't not be. Like, we can't have gone through 
all of the stuff we've gone through over the last, you know, generations, we have to feel it to let it go and to move through it and to transform it. So I think, you know, when you come into a space of being around men, like it, it's like any relationship, it's like stepping into the fire. It just amplifies what's there. And then the trick is like, and the tendency is, and I know this happens to me when, when like a, I had a, a kind of a layer, like a very clear layer came up a few weeks ago. And the tendency is to go into my wounded child around it, is to go into, you know, what does the child do when things aren't going well? They blame themselves. They just default to, oh, it must be my fault. I'm not lovable. I'm not, you know, and I think that's like, that's where certainly when layers come up or, or, or a big part of the unconscious is coming up to be seen, to be brought into the light that that straight away, the tendency, the default would be to that lash out at myself, you know, and that's the place that I'm beginning to kind of see in a different way and hold in a different way. And Mm -hmm. like a lot of inner child work around meeting that wounded little boy who felt so alone, so, you know, unlovable. So, and learning as a grown man how to meet that place within myself, how to hold that place within myself, how to nurture that place within myself. So I'm not fervently looking for it through women, through, you know, through food, through whatever. All of these ways in which we go out and we hungrily look for uh, acknowledgement or val- um, to be validated or to... And I think as as that happens, our capacity then to let go of, you know, the competitive nature that because all of that stemming from I'm not enough, isn't it? Like it's I'm not enough. They're better. I'm not enough. Like if I meet anybody in the world who doesn't have a piece of that, they're they're on the wrong planet. Mm, You know, that's what this planet's all about. It's meeting that I'm not enough place and, and then holding it in different ways, as opposed to our tendency to suppress or, you know, to, 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 you know, overachieve or strive or cop out or whatever our particular program or story is around it, you know, whatever we've sucked in through our environment, you know, and just to meet these places and it's okay. Mm. It's okay. Yeah, thanks, Michael. You really, you really hit the nail on the head for something for me to, I just, brought something into realization for me so thank you just when you're talking about going to that straight away blaming that inner child um blaming yourself that's just been such a huge part of my journey in the last few months is trying to find that young boy and and give him a hug or like tell him everything is all right i haven't been able to Mm. i've been able to yet um i have a time like I've thought I have, but I, I've, I'm just getting more realizations that I haven't. And that's fine. I will get there eventually. Um, I will get there. But yeah, that was a massive realization that I'm still throwing stuff down on that part of myself mm-hmm. in these moments. And you said you have become very aware of that. So I think you've just made me aware of that. You know, so thank you. Yeah, not at all. Like, and it is learning to trust ourselves. Like when I started doing those inner child meditations, you know, we've done them on the, uh, some of them on the way home where you kind of visualize being, you visualize your, your childhood room and, you know, you visualize you as a kid in the room and it can be anywhere from, you know, kind of zero to 10, 12, usually. And you're, you're, you're in the doorway and, and, you know, you're ultimately, you're moving toward holding the child, literally, 
you know, getting to that, like it took me literally months to actually get into the room where I just felt the child was so fucking weary. So like, no, I don't fucking trust this at all. Like I can palpably feel that. And I just show up for a few minutes every day to show up. I'm at the door. No, no worries. You know, in my adult heart, in that compassionate space, just show up, show up, show up. And like, it was amazing to, to, to feel the intensity of the, 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 the childhood fear and trauma that was just slowly, slowly, slowly beginning to soften. Mm. But yeah, like we carry all of that stuff around and, do you know, no wonder our world is fucking crazy. Yeah, we're, 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 shaping, we're shaping our own reality in that way. Yeah. Or we have shaped it, yeah. Yeah. And like you get these people like like Donald Trump or whoever, like who are in the world who are so like, like such huge caricatures of that work, you know, mm-hmm. that undone work, like he's like pushing his way through world leaders and it's like fucking hell. <laughs> like... But, you know, again, like so much of that, you know, and, and like there was this story that I remember reading this book years ago around Mary Magdalene and it opened in the scene in heaven and kind of God's there on the pedestal and, the, uh, and all these kind of souls are kind of, and he's handing out jobs and he's like, right, who's going to do Mary Magdalene? Put the hand up, who's Jesus? And right, who's going to do Judas? And it's like kind of quiet in the crowd. <laughs> suddenly this hand goes up and goes all right i'll do it but recognizing that you know like judas is in all of us hitler's in all of us Mm -hmm. like it's all part of the human psyche it's all there to teach us to show us like donald trump's in all of us like that aspect is just it's just an aspect of the shadow like and really like how do we really begin to own that how do we really begin to like meet ourselves, meet our limitations, meet our not good enough, meet our, you know, our, you know, desperate need for this or that, or to be loved or, you know, and, and kind of go, okay, that's there. That's there. And it's okay. Mm-hmm. And then I think the heart begins to open up. Mm-hmm. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers. That resonated with me. I think it'd be nice maybe to could you f- finish with like a, a blessing or something, Michael, or something like that. You yeah, know, like, a poem. Um, I have a little poem. Oh yeah, poem? perfect. Yeah, we're fond of an old poem. I thought you might be. By the way, <laughs> I saw your uh, um, um, uh, Daryl, your piece you read out recently on a reel. Oh, up. yeah, yeah, yeah. The circle of life one. <laughs> yeah, man. That was beautiful. Uh, thanks, Mike. Yeah, the pair of you are fairly talented. Now, and I was serious when I said the last time, I'll expect a book. <laughs> I'll send you the book on, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we should actually. Yeah. Okay. The need now is to listen. The need now is to listen. What you want and what is wanted of you may well be at odds. All of this is speaking, not in the noise on the radio or in the conversations of conspiracy, but in the language of your heart. Can you hear the blackbird through the window pane singing you to the place you must go? Just for a moment, let go and listen. 
what you want and what is wanted of you are now closer than ever. This voice reminding you that you are home even in your grief. Breathe. Only a human heart that is breaking can hear this song. Only a human heart that is breaking can hear this song. Mm. Oh, thanks for sharing that, Michael. Mm, that was beautiful. Well, I suppose just now that we're wrapping it up, if people were looking to contact you um, in regards to the work you do, the men's work, the men's retreats, what would be the best, best way for them to get in touch? Uh, Michael Ryan Yoga on dot com website or Instagram. Michael Ryan Yoga. Well, Michael Ryan the way home on your on Instagram. Thanks, lads. Yeah, cheers, Thanks Michael. Very much. Pleasure. The pleasure, yeah.